Namaskar and welcome to Daily Global Insights. This is episode number 292 and a request to all our viewers, whether you are watching it on Facebook or on YouTube, please do like this program so it can reach its maximum potential. Today is Friday, December the 10th and here are the main points. The untimely death of India's Chief of Defence Staff, General Bipin Rawat, with his wife and 11 other military personnel accompanying him, has sent shockwaves across the world in a helicopter accident. Prime Minister Modi and Defence Minister Rajnath Singh and other key personnel pay homage to the general. Let's welcome our co-host Sridharji. Sridharji, Namaskar. And a quick thought on whether you have known him and in your, uh, you know, inputs on this, sir. Uh, no, I, 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 good morning to everybody. Uh, welcome to uh, the uh, DG edition uh, 292. I look forward to another great day. And wherever you are, you know, uh, good morning from New York and good day from to all other people. Um, I don't know him personally, uh, met, never met him or never spoken with him. But it's very clear that uh, he seems to have uh, a commanding respect uh, from many, many nations and uh, uh, people around the world. Uh, you know, I think that he conducted himself uh, with uh, dignity and, uh, you know, valor and his perspectives around what he needed to do. Clearly in U.S., uh, the U.S. armed services have a huge respect to him. I think he's also uh, trained in the uh, U.S. Academy. Uh, Yeah, so therefore, at least in the United States, from a U.S. perspective, uh, the U.S. armed forces have huge respect for uh, General uh, Bipin Rawat. Very untimely. Uh, I think we need to wait and see uh, what unravels by way of uh, the investigations uh, that will definitely most certainly happen. Uh, It's not just one, 12 people, but uh, it's the first uh, CDS for India. Um, so I, I, I gather that they have uh, recovered uh, the important uh, black box and they should be able to now at least uh, get closer to the truth as far as possible. And let's hope so. And uh, the current chief of army, General Naravane, uh, is expected to be the next CDS and we extend our best wishes to him. And, and Sridharji, U.S. sanctions on Iran will have no bearing on the Chabahar port project, says the Indian government. Sridharji, on what basis do you think India is making this claim? Well, I think if you recall, uh, you know, I, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with the statement that uh, India has taken a position. Uh, but uh, apparently in the days prior, they had indicated the strategic importance uh, of uh, the port as it relates to the security of Afghanistan, as it relates to the supply lines and important projects that India was involved with, uh, potentially an economic corridor for uh, the Afghanistan's uh, Afghan people. But remember, these are all done when Afghan was Afghanistan and there was attempted uh, Uh, normalization of activities in Afghanistan. I think that's been going on for two decades. But today it is run by Taliban. Uh, And India has lots of challenges in terms of what, uh, you know, it can do and what it wants to do. Um, So the question for India to say that the Iran sanctions 
uh, will have no bearing. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it remains to be seen on ground what is the reality that is likely to happen. Uh, but we discussed this in one of the DGIs, and in, including in my solo DGI, we discussed this, uh, this trans-Iranian network and the importance of Chabar and uh, that specific linkage to the trans-Iranian network uh, from an economic perspective. But if, China, if Iran continues to be belligerent on its nuclear issue, then I think it's going to it's going to create problems for a number of nations, and India is no exception. An Indian government to provide incentives worth seventy six thousand crores to semiconductor firms to make India a semiconductor hub. Sridharji, in the past we have mentioned about the plan of TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor Corporation. Uh, of wanting to establish a, uh, a hub in the, in India along with Japan and United States. Uh, is there any other company also that's interested in establishing a, a semiconductor plant here, sir? Uh, I think, as you rightly said, TSMC plant is uh, contemplated in Bombay, if I'm correct. Uh, there's something that is planned in UP as well. Uh, I think Tata's had... Uh, expressed interest in, uh, two, uh, in establishing uh, two uh, plants, you know, with, I think it's, if I'm right, $200 million each, uh, fabs. Uh, I know that uh, either um, the Japanese, uh, Sanyo, uh, had expressed interest in setting it up. Um, I won't be surprised if, uh, uh, you know, even Intel expresses uh, a desire to do something in India um so um these are some of these names that are flying in the periphery uh, but i have not heard anything um which is very tangible to say so and so has made an application and uh, there is an imminent uh, approval in the pipeline and northeast to become a rubber production hub as the indian government plans rubber plantations on 200,000 hectares of land in the region. Indian government commences planning 79 hydroelectric projects for over 30,000 megawatts to meet the 2030 clean energy targets. Siddharthi, this is all excellent news. These are all new untapped areas that India is probably trying to get into. And I think uh, it augurs well that India will be able to, uh, you know, feed its energy using clean energy, sir. Well, I think if you recall again, you know, uh, the COPS 26 summit, as well as subsequent to that, when we were covering that top, uh, topic in DGI, we had made it very clear there was only one nation in the world which had a plan. Uh, everybody had a desire and everybody was great to announce an end state target uh, that includes uh, our great country, United States. But we did not come up with a tangible transition plan. And we saw that in the United States, we are suffering a significant crisis on the energy side of the business. So India has been augmenting its renewable sources of energy. And you have seen that it is the leader in the solar. Uh, now they are demonstrating that they also have, uh, you know, this new program that they are embarking on, which actually not only augments its capacity, substitutes the capacity from the traditional, but moves the, moves the needle by way of its obligations that it has committed to meet uh, on the climate front.
And India vaccinates over 1.35 billion doses with 812 million single doses and 503 million fully vaccinated. And Biden calls for the fight of fight for democracy, defining challenge for the world as nations begin to align as is reminiscent of Cold War times. Sridharji, this raises an important question. Now there is, you know, this kind of, you know, create noise one place, act somewhere else. This has become the new uh, playbook of many countries. And Russia is, uh, you know, they tried to create the diversion in Belarus and, and they were preparing to invade uh, Ukraine, which is what we had observed a few DGIs ago. Now, um, what has changed since then? I mean, we know that Biden and uh, Putin had an online meeting where Biden kind of read him the right act. What do you think is going to happen next? Well, I think if uh, history and is any precedence uh, with regard to the Russia-Biden uh, discussions, uh, every time there's a discussion, there's a perception, but Vladimir Putin comes on top. He gets away with what uh, he has his intended agenda is. He's getting enough political mileage uh, and enough political uh, coverage uh, by way of his brinkmanship. Um, so therefore, Biden can threaten as much as he wants. I will do, I'll make punitive actions, I'll force sanctions, I'll do this, I'll do that. The question is that will Vladimir Putin listen or will, uh, you know, he work out some deal with, um, with um, the Ukrainian prime minister, so Ukrainian president. So the question therefore is that this uh, rhetoric that Biden is, uh, is, uh, is making or, uh, you know, the, the propaganda or uh, the perceived propaganda that, you know, he is, was very tough and very strong, etc. I just, it will not hold water. And you're going to see the Russian way. Already media are saying that Russia has won, notwithstanding the publicity that Biden has got out of it. Well, this media narrative, you know, fakeness has now taken a life of its own. So, you know, it is up to independent news sites such as P Gurus to give you the truth. So once again, viewers, if you have not already liked this program, please like it. And if you're watching it from Facebook, please like it there too. Facebook is also aggressively promoting its videos now. White House calls for other options if diplomacy fails in Iran. Sridharji, this whole thing to me seems like after Biden came to power, it was the Democrats and the Biden administration which reached out to Iran saying that we will lift the sanctions. Should it not have been the other way around? Yes, I think there's been, I think we covered this again, there's always uh, a set of groups that has been uh, sympathetic and supportive to the cause of Biden. So there are the the pro-Iranian regime groups, which probably helped. Uh, and so therefore, what you're seeing is the advocacy coming out of it. I think, again, we touched using exactly the same words. But what you're seeing here is basically redoing and resetting the deal that Obama did in 2000, President Obama did in 2015. So the goal here seems to be you know, how to resurrect all those kinds of things and retrofit and justify, which prompted United States to go with hand, with both hands folded to Iran 
and with the advocacy groups inside United States. Now, what does Iran do? Iran says, now you, United States, have to work to my terms because you are coming to me if you want that specific accord. That's what unfortunately is going on. Uh, few nations in Europe are proponents of this approach of uh, approachment with Iran. Clearly, Israel has been stating the obvious that you do not negotiate unless the enrichment is stopped by the Iran. Thus far, while this bickering goes on, the enrichment continues in the Iranians' centrifuges. And uh, GOP senators helped to fast-track the Democrats' debt limit hike with social welfare spending in place. Sridharji, this debt limit, it's a joke. It's really a joke because in your US is spending like it's got no, uh, there is no tomorrow. I mean, they are burdening the next generation and the one after that and so on, with no care for how all these debts are going to be paid. I mean, people have stopped even talking about paying, repaying the debt or balancing the books, if you will. If you are going to be so blasé about it, why even have this artificial game, sir? Well, uh, there are two things. I think that I endorse and agree with your sentiments, which is if you borrow, there is no tomorrow, or you borrow because tomorrow you are not alive, uh, then you can borrow because you are not alive tomorrow, right? So somebody else's problem, it is having borrowed uh, above your head. So why do we have, uh, you know, this safety net? The safety net is expecting that common sense will prevail, that there will be people from across the aisle working together. And when genuine issues are presented around the size of the debt and the interest burden that it places on the revenue side uh, by virtue of the expense, uh, then some sanity will prevail and normalization will occur because you can't, you can only have charity when there is liquidity. You cannot have charity when you have no liquidity and debt is the only option. That is the reason why they have this trigger where Senate and the House has to approve the passage of the bill for lifting the limit so that the expenditure incurred or committed in the past, uh, which needs to be met, will be met by the US government. And the court orders Trump to hand over documents to Jan 6th committee. Sridharji, this committee doesn't seem to have the right GOP members in its group. Do you think Trump is going to comply or is he also going to take a stance like what uh, what's the other guy did? Uh, Steve Bannon. Yes, Steve, Steve Bannon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, contempt of court. He didn't appear and then, you know, they filed contempt of yes. court and he's getting relief. Uh, as far as Trump is concerned, he's, you know, he said there's nothing in the documents. He's not prepared to submit the documents. He may eventually turn out and put the documents up and these fellows may make and an, make their own objective, subjective judgment out of it. What will it boil down to is my apologies. What will it boil down to is that whether there is any locus standi on the enforcement on the outcomes and whether the evidence based on those documents that the House Committee has seen can fit within a legal framework. So there's more issues. Right now, what you're witnessing is political grandstanding. 
and Biden looks like has had a few losses in the courts. He could not enforce the mandatory vaccine on a private employer, and he's also, uh, uh, you know, suffered a defeat in the Senate. Uh, which was the thing that he lost in Senate, uh, Sridharji? He lost the same one. I think he wanted to. Uh, it was challenged in the courts, but then you bring it to the uh, the legislative agenda, and if you pass through a legislative process, then it becomes easier uh, to to implement rather than be challenged in the courts because earlier order was executive order, which was challenged. Uh, is the same, which is mandating the private employers to make their employees comply with vaccination. If it is not, then they'll not be allowed to work and they could even face termination. That is what- And from, Senate, I'm sorry, yeah. sir, please continue. Please finish your so thought. Yeah, that is what Senate is saying, not acceptable. And France and United Kingdom skirmishes continue as fishing-related issues flare up and France threatens legal action. We must remember that France is coming at, uh, coming out on the short end of the stick because of the AUKUS deal, A-U-K-U-S deal, wherein uh, nuclear submarines, which were supposed to have been su supplied by France, is now being instead supplied by the United States. Sridharji, what do you make of this? Is this strong in a teacup or is it something bigger than that? No, I think Macron is going on about this fishing trawlers crossing and fishing trawlers crossing. Well, this is a lingering issue that has been there for some time, but he's using the occasion uh, to get the maximum mile out of it. He's basically saying, you, Britain, you are not in EU. Uh, and so, therefore, we will use the EU legislation for uh, trespassing into our boundaries and will enforce it with punitive measures. This is Macron's position because they're double whammy. One, Britain chose to exit. Uh, a second, the one that you mentioned, the AUKUS deal. And Biden promises all support to protect its sovereignty and says the decision to join NATO membership is in its hands. Biden also pledges more military support for Central Europe. So I can see that the US is now beginning to cast its glance wider. It thinks that if Russia does not succeed in Ukraine, it might Putin might start looking at other countries. Most of these countries don't really have armies uh, that can stand up to Russia, I suppose, uh, Sridharji? I think, uh, Sridharji, I don't know whether we covered uh, in uh, in one of the joint sessions or in that solo session. There is currently pending before the Senate uh, a U.S. Armed Services Amendment budgetary bill, which has been hanging loose, but the Democrats are going after the budget and trying to put cuts on the existing budget. And most of the money that is in that budget is a reflection of U.S. footprint in various parts of the world and the cost to the exchequer. So you're going to cut the U.S. budget, defense budget, and now you're promising more footprint and more support in Central Europe and Central Asia and other parts of the world. It just doesn't add up. This just look and looks like another political state from from Mr. Biden, uh, which sounds good, which looks good, which happens to feel good. Whether he can execute on that remains a very big question mark, uh, Shriji.
Sridharji, for the 2022 elections, I can tell you that flip-flop, confused, are all the words that are going to be used to characterize this Biden presidency, which is very unfortunate, at least in your opinion, I think, and in my opinion, he's a good man, but somewhere he seems to have lost his way. Well, I think, sir, I think you have, uh, uh, you know, again, I will be the salesperson for Sri Ayerji's book. Uh, very soon, it will be in Amazon. Uh, please buy the book about what happened in 2020 elections. So we will have the reenactment of the 2022 uh, drama. Uh, we only hope that uh, a better outcome is accomplished uh, rather than what we got in 2020. Uh, it's just not one issue. Uh, you know, we are not covering the other side at all, uh, which is around the crime that is pervading across United States. So you have no enforcement in the borders because there's no money. You have no enforcement within borders because there's no money. You're now going to cut the budget of the armed services, a vast chunk of it, as one would call it as business as usual, for troops deployed to protect the status quo and harmony around the world, and most important of which is in Europe. And United States had committed significant footprint in South China Sea. There also we have seen a bit of tapering. And now Mr. Biden says he's going to accommodate all of this. So if it is not a flip-flop, I don't know what it is, because the flip-flop has been the consistent theme of Mr. Biden, not just on one policy matter, but broadly across all policy matters. Macron also calls for EU emergency measures or emergency response systems to control its borders. Sridharji, is this the fallout of the Belarus uh, uh, issue, sir? It is uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, to some extent. It is a fallout of the Belarus. It is also a fallout of uh, the policies that uh, they had no choice but to support of Angela Merkel, you know, um, what was called as Arab Spring and refugee crisis at that point of time. It opened the floodgates, unbrizzled, you know, people came in and, and Europe is facing uh, significant issues as a result of that. And now you've got porous borders. You've got people coming in through Mediterranean, which is Morocco, Italy and Spain. But more recently, the flow has increased because of the Belarus strategy or the strategy adopted by Belarus. Europe has no immediate what you call as the emergency response strategy for many of these issues. And albeit being albeit too late, Mr. Macron is saying, what's a strategy? Remember, Poland and Lithuania had also raised the same issues around, uh, you know, in case there are aggressive postures by either Belarus or by Russia, what is our response? Uh, we can't be calling United States all the time. We need to be able to capable of acting. So we don't have a strategy. I think he's beginning to Europe, not we, has a strategy. And this is what he's trying to alert. And UK, Australia and Canada and many other nations are likely to join Biden's diplomat diplomatic boycott of Winter Olympics. China responds saying that there will be consequences. Japan feels left out. Should all G7 join the boycott? See, 
Let me just doubt. What exactly is a diplomatic boycott? A diplomatic boycott is effectively means that there will be no representatives. There will be no official representatives from U.S. Olympic Committee and others. There will be no diplomats, dignitaries uh, attending. There will not be any uh, uh, country political heads be at the function. Opening ceremony is a very big stuff for Olympics. Closing ceremony is a very big stuff. So from a ceremonial and diplomacy point of view, many world leaders and diplomats will be present at these events. So they will not be uh, at these events. And almost all of the uh, G7 nations have uh, acceded to Biden. Uh, I'm sure that the European nations will follow suit. The Anglo-Saxon nations such as uh, United Kingdom, uh, you know, uh, Britain, uh, United Kingdom, Canada, and uh, Australia. Australia, yes, have have and New Zealand uh, have agreed uh, ha are siding with United States. Uh, so what Japan says is, well, you know, I'm in Asia. I live with these people. I'm part of ASEAN, uh, broader ASEAN. You know, am I going to deal with this issue, uh, you know, in a very diplomatic manner? So I think that what Japan is saying is that there needs to be a much better coordinated strategy. Otherwise, it will find itself isolated uh, in a region where China is an integral part of what happens. Um, Sridharji, as a follow-up, I hope the judges that would be appointed for various events that happen to be from these countries still go there. Otherwise, it will be a complete uh, farce, sir. I have a feeling we are looking down the barrel of a, a complete boycott. We are not too far from it. Um, and actually, many pundits believe that's the right thing that the world must do because only then China will get the message. Anything else other than that, there is no message that is going to reach. The best way to tell China that it is not part of the world um, order and it is not in complete compliance with the world order is a boycott which sends a clear message, not this little piddlu uh, diplomatic boycott. And Nicaragua breaks ties with Taiwan and joins hands with China. So now you are seeing some of the blowback because of remember what we had been telling about Lithuania recognizing you know, in a different way than the official recognition of Taiwan and so on and so forth, Sriji. Sriji? Yes, I think uh, you are absolutely correct. What we are witnessing is a very fascinating strategy that China is adopting. The strategy that the China is adopting here is, let me handpick nation by nation, which has proximity to Taiwan. Let me see how many nations I can break the back so they in turn respond with breaking their ties with Taiwan and joining me. So it's not just purely daily incursions into the air intrusion defense zone of Taiwan, but it is incursions into the bilateral relationships that Taiwan has enjoyed with several nations and see to what extent he can start cutting those relationships using this diplomatic channel, using these diplomatic methods that he's currently embarking on. Not a very positive sign, Shriji. And thank you, sir. And let's take a quick look at markets. Markets are flat ahead of key inflation data numbers that will be coming later today. And the Treasury surges past 1.51 
percent and oil is back in the 72 to 76 dollar range and cryptocurrencies are taking a hit and synergy before i hand out the control to you i want all our viewers to know that at 9 pm uh, professor r vaidyanathan and i will be talking about cryptocurrencies in some detail so do join in for that also synergy over to you uh, well firstly markets uh, had a good run and markets ran into uh, the difficulties uh, with inflation data um, and the consumer price index, um, purchasing price index. So we're going to see the Fed inflation data that is coming out today. And uh, we're beginning to see some uh, early signals that, uh, you know, Fed may need to give much closer attention. And the, the rates went below 1.4, now either back above 1.5. Usually, that's also reflected in the energy prices. We are now in the oil and Brent uh, in the 72 to 76 category. So that is, uh, you know, that's what is the headline. Inflation and the bond tapering is are the two main areas which is of concern on the future. As I say, again, we'll finish very well in 2021. With regard to crypto, I think we are also going to have a session so to me, crypto is, 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 is basically here. Now, whether it is mainstream or off-stream, uh, you know, remains to be seen. And, and crypto is taking a hit for two reasons. One is that there is some readjustments that, is, that are taking place around the ecosystem. And you are seeing cash flowing in. And crypto is, to some extent, is also tied to liquidity around what happens in the equity markets. Uh, so both these are combining uh, in terms of the, uh, the the deflated prices that one is seeing uh, on the crypto. But everybody is still gung-ho that the price is going to go forward sooner than later. Thank you very much, uh, Sridharji. And that brings us to a close of today's episode of DGI. Do like, share and subscribe to our channel, both on Facebook and on YouTube. We'll be back tomorrow, bright and as usual at 6.30 p.m. IST. Namaskar and see you tomorrow. Namaskar. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful evening. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Sorry, I just had a little bit of, uh, you know, yarns and things today. So my apologies for that. Um, you know, a little bit of uh, stress. But other than that, I think uh, have a wonderful evening. And, you know, another exciting day is ahead of us. Thank you, sir. Namaskar. Namaskar. Thank you.